Hockey Flow. I'm pleased to share it with Marco D'Amico and Adam Boucher. Marco D'Amico can usually be found right here on the show, but he's actually taking a break for this week. He's had some family affairs that have caught up. If you want to go check out a little bit more information, you can go check out his Twitter, at The Hockey Expert. And of course, all of his amazing content is available at scrimmageandstats.com. If you want to send a nice note of condolences, I agree. Uh, it's probably the best week to do so, so just go check, give him a nice little tweet. Uh, you can also send a nice little tweet to Adam Boucher, a fellow co-host of the show, who is available at Really Adam B. And myself, Andrew Cadero, let's get right into the show. Adam, uh, we have quite a bit to chatter to talk about, but we have to lead off with what's happening in Vancouver. Uh, there, uh, Just for those of you unaware, Vancouver is not just a, a place where it holds the team for the Canucks. It's a city, and it's a pretty big city in the province of British Columbia. And British Columbia uh, has had been hit very, very hard by the newest variant of COVID-19, the P1 variant, which is often colloquially known as the Brazilian variant. Anyways, I'm giving too, too much information. Let's throw it over to the hockey. Adam, what do we need to know? Yeah, so after last week's episode, we noted that basically the Habs were the first game in, in the North Division getting cancelled. And since then, uh, which all started on March 31st when uh, the Flames at the Canucks were, game was cancelled, uh, we, we got the news that some of the Canucks players had uh, tested positive, positive for COVID uh, and that basically... Uh, it first started with this game being cancelled and then uh, they, they cancelled a whole week of, of, of play for, for the Canucks. Uh, I think 24 hours later, we, we got the news that something like 15 or 17 Canucks player plus some of the staff uh, had caught COVID and it was actually a, a Brazil variant, so the P1 variant. Uh, and now everything's kind of on hold for the for the Canucks. Uh, we have a full thread on on Twitter here. Like you have fourteen Canucks player that it just got updated today, maybe an hour before recording that another player was added. Which brings our full total right now to seventeen players in total. Seventeen out of a twenty-two man roster. That is an insane percentage. And I believe it's seventeen roster players. Then you have taxi squad players and. Uh, even some coaching staff, so it's it's something and the media it, team apparently exactly. too. Exactly, it's something like twenty something cases confirmed, and uh, it just blows my mind because you have you have reports of some of the players being like in critical condition. They're they, apparently yeah on IVs and so, stuff yeah, like exactly. that. Right, some like... players have are on IVs and stuff. So uh, there's been a lot of speculations. We don't have as of now. We don't have much else to say. We know it's going to impact the. The calendar, I, I believe it was Calgary playing three times against the Canucks this week. So that's like three games up in the air for now. Uh, we've had other games that were changed, that were moved before. Uh, I think it was Calgary versus Ottawa. Other games were, were changed. The dates were changed. Uh, as of now, it's, I mean, it's it's much greater. It looks much greater than hockey. It's, it's they're speaking maybe about just canceling the rest of the season for the Canucks. And it's as of now, it's just sending best wishes to to the the players and their families because it's 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 much bigger in hockey as of now. Exactly, it is much bigger in hockey, and I, I appreciate the sentiment, uh, Adam. And I think we all share on the show, uh, even our co-host at large, uh, who's not with us this week. But I, we all human. We're all human. We hope that just everyone's okay, right? Like that's the starting point. That's everything's okay. So that's the start. Like uh, hoping everyone gets uh, gets back to to what. They, they were before. But you you must be in the same camp with me that's asking questions, right? Like, like first of all, like the first for question, how? how? Uh, how yeah. the, 
So like, I mean, so let me, so we were talking about this before off air, um, through, because we have a thread that we always just, you know, update each other about like, Hey, something just happened. Pay attention. <laughs> so uh, we all wake up to it and we're like, Oh my God, look what happened. In any case, uh, our, Oh my God was the realization that the Canucks organization had had a te- positive test, which usually means they will go and retest again to make sure it's not a po- false positive, but they still continued with the morning skate on Wednesday morning. So that question of how is really directed in that direction. How does the Canucks organization, how do members knowingly push players onto the ice to be there, allow players to even be there, but forget pushing, but allowing or even having this particular organizational event, it's standard course, but we're not in standard times. You knew there was a positive test. You could have been a false positive. You could have pushed the practice an hour. You didn't. And instead, that could have potentially led to more spread. I, I, it seems like such an irresponsible decision. And I know that it's everyone's worried about the player situation. I agree. But I worry about this organization that puts players in that position in the first place. Like there was serious chatter uh, among sports journalists in Vancouver and around the Vancouver scene. They were talking about how players were seriously considering not returning to the ice after this incident because of how, like, no joke, IVs and arms. That's what we're talking about here right now. And we're not talking about like, like me, uh, who's like <laughs> exactly? It's IVs and arms for pro athletes. They're supposed to be like the in the best shape in the world, right? And now they're stuck. Like, yeah, the only time they have IVs and arms is when they're juicing, right? Like this. This shouldn't be because they're like no, no, no. That's in Russia. That's that's not different league. <laughs> <laughs> that's in Russia. <laughs> but no, it's look. It's very concerning, and and we were talking early in the season about how the NHL was like the leading league in 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 professional sports league and in the whole COVID uh, protocols and stuff like that. And even uh, not even a week ago, when when the Canadians like got a week worth of activities canceled. We, we had seen Kotkiniemi, we had seen Armia at morning skate, even like the, the day it was announced. So it's like, it almost feels like the league is, is maybe it's it's slipping away from them a bit. And I don't know, it, there was a lot of chatter that they had loosened up on maybe some of the protocols. But then again, it's just so hard to track. Like players, they're like, they're allowed to go grocery shopping, right? They, they could go get their morning, morning coffee at Starbucks. It's like, you, you could just contract the virus at like anywhere right and this this particular variant is very very uh contagious and not to mention it's it's now and we call it is colloquially called the brazil variant but the epicenter cluster in the world is now vancouver specifically because of an outbreak that happened in whistler and you know like it's 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 hard to I, I again like i said i don't blame individual players i blame the organization for continuing with the practice because now we see just how deep it goes it just spread it so much that's the it's thing. just spread yeah. yeah like and again like so like again not pointing at individual f- fingers but i think a whole hand point in a direction of the organization to make a poor decision on this front is accurate but i also like i want to go back to something you said earlier about the league and discussion this the NHL was kind of held up as a standard, like you said. Like it was held up as like, look at what we were able to do, look what we're able to pull off. And now they're literally the worst out of the big four leagues in North America. Literally the worst. Like in a in a span of a week, it changed that much. Now, obviously, there is also other outside factors that we have to mention. First of all, the United States has a far more robust uh, vaccination plan now comparatively to what we uh, what was even a few months ago. They have a much more uh, developed plan, and also the manufacturing capability to develop vaccines right inside of the United States. Canada, uh, due to several 
previous governments got rid of that infrastructure and unfortunately that's not in place so we have to wait a little bit longer than most people so that is a factor but you know at the end of the day like protect players and that's really the question that we are obviously alluding to if you're going to be protecting players because you have to there is now as you you said there is real discussion about whether this season continues for the vancouver canucks and i have to, to get your take on this adam do you think it continues yeah, so that was that was actually the next topic I wanted to touch on. I think, look, you're it's it's the Vancouver Canucks. I think the North Division, the top four teams are pretty much set. It's it's now it's just a matter of who finishes where in the top four. Uh, we know Ottawa's almost out of it. Like I think there's a slight percentage maybe they they go on a dream run, but that's that's almost impossible. I know. Uh, Vancouver and Calgary are like a couple points behind but then again they have a like six games played more than like the Habs and, and the Jets um, and, and if if we're reasoning and, and just by logical making sense of the whole situation I think they're done just just like they they tried to recall half of their their AHL squad the other day just to to fill up the roster right it's at this point if the players come back after a week given the condition they were in a couple of days ago i think it's almost impossible now the other like without thinking about the Canucks just thinking about the rest of the division they're gonna have to make up schedule because you're gonna have teams who who needed to play the Canucks maybe three or four more times in the year that won't get those games. So it's a whole scheduling issue. It's a it's a whole topic of what's next to come. Are they gonna go point percentage? I I saw a lot of tweets of people saying they don't want to do that. They want to play out the games. I honestly think at this point it's the Canucks are done for the season and they're gonna have to make up games with other teams or, or someplace else we even that's another topic we wanted to touch on later on but i believe the ahl is close to confirming they they won't be holding any playoffs just because of the 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 canadian the american like going united states cross country and and stuff like that so it's it's another topic how how is the nhl going to pull off their playoffs this season given that last year's bubbles just, just in in terms of revenue, in terms of money value, they they costed something around a hundred million dollars each. That's crazy. Like in a, in a year where you had almost close to no fans in the building, and revenues like we know most of the league's revenue comes from fans being in the arena during the games. So that's another factor we're gonna have to see. Um, uh, honestly, it's it's there's just so much uncertainty. I, I don't know where, where it's gonna go next. It's it's quite concerning. I I like the honesty of what you said about there's so much uncertainty because I think there's there's that's absolutely the case. I think I think logically I think you're exactly where the NHL is going to be within a week. I think there's no way you can legitimately bring people in, and I know the NHL is going to be looking up every turning over every leaf to find any solution in this, but. You have this many players of the first team affected by COVID. That's that's a big no no. Uh, and I just I, it doesn't seem like it's going to check out. So again, um, I will we'll keep you posted on as this is going along. But it seems most likely that the the Canucks season will probably not continue. At least that's our viewpoint here on the show. Uh, we don't run the NHL. We don't run the Canucks org. So we don't know anything when it comes to that, other than just outside analysis. But if you look at this logically, it seems pretty much a done deal. 
in any case, uh, we wish them the best of luck because they they completely need it. But there's you, there's no way you can fit, finish fifty six games. I just don't see it. You have to make up at least six postponed games, and the number is just rising. I don't I don't see it happening. That's just too much. All right, let's jump to something completely different now. And of course, by completely different, let's move to our NHL action, uh, our weekly recap. So lots to talk about here in the different divisions, but let's start off with, I guess, the easiest one to cover, which is our home division here, the North. Uh, Quite a bit of action in here and obviously mostly dominated by headlines of what was happening in Vancouver. But there have been some changes, uh, mostly in the Montreal Canadiens level. Uh, We have one certain... Eric Stahl, who had a very good night last night. This is uh, we're recording this on Tuesday, April sixth. So uh, last night was quite a good night for a debut for Eric Stahl, right? Yeah. So we had uh, Eric Stahl draw into theoretically the second line of of the Montreal Canadiens. He played, in my opinion, a very solid game and ended up topping it with an OT winner to to end the game. Uh, honestly, I thought the game was lost. Going into the third, we were down 2-0 and, and like nothing was bouncing for the Habs. And we we found a way to tie it and Eric Stahl winning it maybe with a minute left in OT. What, just the perfect... Chef's kiss. Chef's the, perfect. The perfect Habs debut. And I believe he, the stat line was he, he was the first Montreal Canadian to uh, get an OT winner in his debut. That's... That's absolutely crazy, and, and you, records constantly coming up. Like it's, <laughs> I mean, it's the Montreal Canadiens, right? And it's he's the first to do it. That's that's wow, just crazy. And again, we have to like that's a win for Mark Bergevin, right? He got him almost for free. Bargain bin Bergevin, <laughs> that was a free player he got. He, he had three third round picks, three uh, fifth rounder, and you just gave one of each for Eric Stahl. So. Uh, when we sneak into the playoffs with two points, that entire trade is already worth it right now. Yeah, and honestly, it's it's a small sample size, obviously, but he doesn't look like the player he was in Buffalo, and he looks like he, he still has gas in the tank. He's not done, and that's going to be a, like huge for the center depth uh, of the Montreal Canadiens going forward. Uh, what was quite concerning intriguing whatever word you want to use here was that montreal um ended up losing brendan gallagher to a uh, i believe it was a fractured wrist or hand it was fractured finger wasn't it uh, a finger up. yeah there you go that's the only part i didn't have so he uh he went out with a fractured finger after uh getting a slap shot from romanov in the second period i believe or even the first because uh, he ended up playing three minutes, so I believe it was in the first period. And yeah, officially, it's a broken right thumb. There you go. And he's essentially out for what seems like the re- remainder of the season. Maybe he's going to get back for playoffs. Um, you have that, and you had basically Carey Price. I think it was. It looked like something he did during the easy, like the 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 earlier parts of the game where he he just looked in in discomfort every time he would stand up or, or like try to do a, a lateral movement uh it was just announced today earlier that Caden Primo was recalled uh to the big leagues uh to basically back up uh Jake Allen so it, it looks like the Canadians are, are going to rest up um Carey Price a, a bit like Toronto's doing with uh, Frederick Anderson uh, so yeah, it's definitely going to be interesting to see who slots in for Gallagher. Maybe you have some AHL players coming up that 
might get a shot. Um, as of now, we got some some basically skate, uh, morning skate lines, and it looks like they're gonna transition Kotkaniemi to the to the right wing position, which is, I would say, intriguing. But I would, and I think Marco would have had the same opinion. Um, you're basically transitioning your your best one of your best center if not your best center from the past weeks to the right wing it's just it's honestly i don't what I, so it doesn't make sense to you to, it, to redevelop a player completely in a different mold and position well it's a, through their primary seasons as they get they're coming together it's a very montreal canadians things to do but no it doesn't seem right and of course i, I mean it's it's just so weird because we we saw Kotkin Yemi, I believe, in yesterday's game. He was the most, uh, he had the most ice time among centers after two periods, and then just didn't play for, I think, he didn't play in the entire third period, or maybe touched the ice once, and then no ice time in OT. And you're then again going back to the start the OT. It worked yesterday, but then again, you have to come back to why did they start Dano and Byron? And, and gave them basically three shifts in OT when you had talent sitting on the bench. I guess we'll have to wait to see the answer, but it's just, there's just things you won't understand. And yeah, it's it's going to be interesting to see. There's also the, the, the Habs decor we could touch on. It was... Uh, meh. Meh. <laughs> Maybe we'll save that for when Mark was on here. But basically, we saw for it's been a couple of games we've been seeing uh, Shea Weber just feeling a bit s- maybe slower on 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 the. Uh, He's been sluggish on the puck. Let's be let's be honest. He's getting older, but like he, it's very noticeable the drop off and the decline. Yeah, right? it it looks like the decline started. Is he done? No. Uh, it, can he still be effective? I think we saw it last night against McDavid. He was just shutting down e- his every single move. Um, but yeah, I think the biggest concern, and I had s- spoken with Marco about it, was that they keep putting him on on the first power play wave, and we saw it last like yesterday night. He's just so slow to come back, and his shot is not as efficient as as it once was, or maybe his shot is still efficient, but he's not as fast as quick to release it. So what uh, most of the time, what happens, he shoots it into the boards, it rims back, and and you just exit the zone, right? Yesterday, we saw he was kind of slow to get back on, on the power play, and it, I believe it was, uh, I forget who, but they basically drew a penalty for the for the Canadians, so we just lost the power play. So that's just one of example on the top of my head. But yeah, we're going to have to see where, where it leads in the, in the next couple of weeks, but there's definitely definitely concerns for when it comes to the Habs and, and their lineup going forward. Yeah, concerns, concerns galore. Uh, definitely a lot of, uh, this is the thing, like an overtime win, especially with stall scoring, can paper over a lot of the cracks, but there are cracks. There are cracks, but I, I guess it's it's quite the silver lining. <laughs> exactly, it's quite the silver lining. And, and uh, yeah, right before we transition to a new division, I just wanted to point out that we, we mentioned... Um, we mentioned that uh, Carey Price was going to get some rest in, in the upcoming weeks, maybe even for the remain, remainder of the season. Uh, look, I alluded to it earlier, but the Maple Leafs are they're resting up Frederick Anderson and we have their backup, Jack Campbell, tying franchise records. 
So he's now uh, tied the uh, the record for win streak by a Leaf goalie. He's now nine and zero. That's a nine game win streak for a backup goalie for a Leafs goalie. That's look, that's pretty amazing for them, right? Not to mention Michael Hutchinson, their third stringer, is even is also doing well pretty well. He had a good game against Calgary on Sunday night. Also, yeah. So you have uh, the backup and the backup's backup just playing out of their minds for for the Maple Leafs. Nine four one save percentage, pretty darn good. Uh, yeah. So again, Leafs looking kind of like that dominant. <laughs> right, sorry, Leafs fans. Well, you know what's coming next, right before the drop. <laughs> so, uh, any case, uh, prove us wrong. We will see. But you've been proving us right since nineteen sixty seven. Let's move along to the different divisional <laughs> things without pissing off too many more people. Uh, let's go to talk about Colorado and uh, their team, the Avalanche. If you don't know that hilarious you're listening to the show welcome to hockey it's awesome but uh as you probably all know in the division right at the top of the honda west division so let's talk about them uh specifically there's a lot of discussion about trade targets potentially like things like ryan zingle like being fitting into the category what are your thoughts on this adam because i mean lots of rumors are starting to appear now that trade deadlines right around the corner yeah well let's start it off with how colorado just in, in the recent weeks they just took back the top spot in in the NHL, essentially. How many wins in a row? How many wins in a I, row? I don't even have the stat line. I won't even try, but yeah. Five in a row. They're aiming for their sixth to ninth against the Wild. There you go. So that's that's five in a row. They're now tied for the top spot in the league with the Florida Panthers. And look, we, we, we have to start off with another goalie stat line. So you have Phil Grubauer. Just, uh, he's now 12-0-1 in his last 13 appearances. That's wow, that's the longest, I believe, longest point streak by a goaltender for for the Avs uh, Nordic franchise. So that's just all kinds of records. Um, but yeah, I honestly it's there's so so many trades, like so many players that are that could potentially be moved. And with the whole COVID stuff, right, as of now, I, I just don't know where to look, what to think. Uh Colorado, uh, I mean they, their defense is stacked. Their offense is stacked. I feel like it's just they're just gonna be looking to add a a depth player. Ryan Zingle. I mean, he just came back to Ottawa. Is he on the move again? We'll see. But yeah, that would be. He could potentially like that's a player that could slot into the top six when they need to, or a player that could play bottom bottom like top nine or even bottom six. So. That's a that that would be a great fit for Colorado, I believe, and yeah, we'll see where it goes from there. Yeah, and his cap hit is only like three and three point three seven five million, and if Ottawa retains like anywhere near the fifty percent salary, this becomes a much easier sell. It's just what you what do you give up in exchange for that to Ottawa? I think that's that's really like they may they may look like a maybe a fifth and seventh rounder or something like that, but I I don't know what that what that contract looks like. But we do know that the Avs have already had this this kind of thinking before. Remember when they paid last year uh, to Ottawa, in fact, I think for a rental, it was uh, Vladislav, uh, I can't remember his name. Do you remember his name right now? <laughs> yeah, it was uh, N- Nemesnikov. Yeah. Nemesnikov, exactly. Yeah, I believe he they they swapped at third, I believe, or even fourth round pick. three to five, yeah, in, in that range. Uh, I mean, that's, that's their kind of move. They have so many young players. They have so many, like, young talents on that team that is just it i it feels like it's just you're just plugging in holes like 
left and right when it comes to to the playoffs for for Colorado and Zingle yeah he, so he has he's going to be a UFA at the end of the year he accounts for 3.3 million on the cap so that's you retain half it's 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 definitely a, a good deal for for the team that's getting him and i mean there's definitely a scenario let's say if if, if Brandon Saad goes down for a game or two he can slide in right it's not a long term fit but he has a he has a history of playing in, in the top six in Ottawa, and he's done it other places. I think that kind of experience can make the difference in a playoff run. So in any case, we're we're excited. Yes, we're already discussing playoff runs for the Avalanche. I don't think that's a surprise, not with the, the kind of performance they've shown on the ice. Uh, again, just dominating divisions. And moving to another division, we didn't, we didn't put this, this team right at the top. Uh, and we really maybe should have. But again, kudos for proving us wrong. Florida Panthers rocking it to the top. Uh, and you know, like, in, oh, sorry, I should say the central division. Um, but I, honestly, I'm, I'm kind of flabbergasted how good they've been, right, Adam? They just they they've been so good, and and they're like out. They have a they have one game more than Tampa Bay, and they're they're two points ahead. So it's like it it feels like those two top top teams in that division are just the top two in the league. Uh, they could be top two in the league, and and look. It's. It, I feel like this whole division is a surprise this year. We. Uh, I, I looked at our early season prediction for playoffs, and only Marco had them at number four to make the playoffs. <laughs> so, yeah. Damn it, Marco! <laughs> Still proving we us wrong. We were just so we were wrong on here. that one. But uh, <laughs> no, you've look. Uh, you've had so many surprises in the, in the Discover Central division. You have Tampa Bay that's in a playoff spot, but now you have Nashville who. Just surpassed uh, Chicago a couple games back, and yeah, I guess it's a season of surprise, right? And for the going back to the Panthers, you have you just have so many players playing out of their mind. We we mentioned last week the Eggblad injury, but since then you've had guys like Mackenzie Weger on defense. Just he has he now has twenty three points in thirty nine games. He's a plus twenty, so that's like that's pretty like good numbers for a guy who i guess he's having a breakout year this year uh there's also i'm gonna try to pronounce his name carter verhaggy i believe who's now up to 33 points in 39 games who i believe came in a trade from tampa bay or was signed as a ufa one or the above but yeah he's another breakout season and you're just seeing guys like Barkov, Hubert will just dominate over a point per game for both. It's, I mean, it's a surprise, but at the same time, they they have such a deep lineup and just everyone's just gelling together this year. So it's true, but I mean, like it's really apparent because you said gelling, but like they they were out of they didn't have Barkov and they didn't have Hornquist for a good chunk of. And yep. they, I only reported like I think we came back like two days ago or something like that. Like that would seriously sink a team, and yet. Nothing. This team looks like they're just bonus time with Hornquist and Barkov, to be honest. It's as if he never left. Uh, so, again, just major kudos for proving us wrong uh, and keep going. We're excited to see where this goes. Hey, could it be your year in Florida? I sure hope it's not. I hope it's our year, but like, you know, that's how it is. It's rivalries, but like, it is what it is. In any case, uh, Florida, keep proving us wrong. It's a magic time out there. Uh, And moving to other magic times, let's talk about, uh, of course, the East. And in the East, magic times are happening for the Washington Capitals, who are followed closely behind by the New York Islanders. And, you know, 
I don't think this is a surprise. <laughs> yeah, and I don't think anybody thinks this is a surprise at this point. But I think it like now again we're sort of bringing in that trade deadline talk. Now is the time to start looking at fine tuning, right? So the capital Capitals have had it's been a strange season for everybody, but to be honest, they, they've been really good. Even with the throwback format, it's been really good for them. But what do you think they need to sort of really consider a playoff run here? Because I'm pretty certain they're going to be making the playoffs. I don't think that's going to be there's unless something calamitous happens. But do you think? First of all, do you think it's fo- uh, it's a focus on offense or defense or both? Or and let's start, actually let's start there. Do you think it's offense or defense to, or that we should be looking at, or maybe is a combination of both to look in the trade market? I'll be honest. I feel like it's defense. I don't have their roster in front of me right now, but um, I believe Washington, if they want to go on a solid run, I think it all starts. We're gonna have to talk about again goaltending. They have Samsonov in net, who's a young like goalie. Uh, their backup. I don't. I don't. I think he's another rookie. I don't recall his name off the top of my head. Uh, Vanasek. There you go. Yeah. So two rookies. Um, they had in their like their Stanley Cup run and their recent runs they've had Holdby who was like a more veteran presence uh, so that's definitely going to be an X factor for them if they want to make a run but otherwise I feel like it's defense they're, they have guys like Carlson they have their usual like star players I feel like then again, it's it's. Don't they even have uh, Craig Anderson on the taxi squad? A taxi squad. They do. Too, true, they do like, have Anderson. So that's that could be an X factor. Who knows? Uh, but yeah, I, I I think it's on defense. Maybe add a bit more depth and look. It's I feel like they're in a similar uh, place to Colorado, where you just get players, you punt, you like you 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 fill up holes like left and right. But then again, Washington, they're. Their top players, their core players are, are aging. They're like, you have Ovi, he's like, what, 35 now? You have Backstrom, you have older guys. Um, it's But yeah, we saw Ovi, like, uh, for the past couple of weeks, he's just been scoring at his at his pace, right? He's going to break, I feel like he's going to break the record for, for most goals, but... Look, he he just won't be stopped, and as long as he wants to play, he's gonna he's just he's gonna be like that beast he is on the ice. So yeah, I believe uh, Washington's just gonna look to add some some key depth on on defense first. All right, so I mean, defense obviously you have Chara, you have Schultz, you have also the developing Nick Jensen. I think wow, what does that look like? And it's Carlson, awesome. so Carlson yeah. too, yeah. But yeah. if I'm gonna go in the opposite direction on this, I would say offense is definitely very good for this season. What they lack is a little bit of consistency, right? And that's been kind of the hallmark for every team, to be honest. It's not really unusual for them. But I think if Peter Laviolette is looking at this, right? Like, I mean, Verana has been scratched recently, right? And over the the weekend game specifically, there were a lot of articles that came out about that. I just feel like you could ask, there's a, there's a lot to look at here. But the problem is, and I think Marco would be the best person for this, unfortunately, but I don't, he's not here. But the Caps don't have any cap space. Right, like that. So, what do you 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 need something to require some salary going out or a player going on LTIR before you can have this discussion? So, I mean, it have to be a pretty decent sized deal to make the pieces work for every for all the players and all the teams. And I'm not sure how that works exactly. So, in any case, we'll have to keep you posted on this. Uh, yeah, try to offer some ideas on offense. Clearly can't. So that's why we'll leave it to Marco. As always, uh, keep your tweets hot and coming. You can check us out at Da Hockey Flow. That's D A H O C K E Y F L O W on Twitter. And of course, uh, Marco and Adam can be found at Really Adam B. And of course, at the Hockey Expert for uh, Marco. And to basically end off this segment on the East Division, it's it's going to be interesting. Just just some keynotes. 
so as of today, Tuesday, we're recording. Uh, you have New Jersey who announced uh, Paul Mieri is going to be scratched for the foreseeable future. Uh, given trade talk speculations and same thing for Buffalo's Taylor Hall. So um, look for those two players to be moved in the next couple of days as we're nearing the uh, the trade deadline. And I guess a lot more players are going to be scratched now, especially like given COVID and the whole injury possibility. But yeah, as of now, Kyle Palmieri and Taylor Hall are scratched for, for the next couple of games over the team. And with that, you have your NHL Weekly Recap. Of course, you can always tune in for more. And feel free to throw out your questions on Twitter, as always. Let's go to our final uh, news segment with news from around the league. And actually, this one is not actually from the league. It's actually from another league, the league just underneath the NHL, and that's the American Hockey League. And you kind of alluded this to earlier in the show, but no playoffs in the NHL. No playoffs in the AHL. That's, I don't believe it's been confirmed as of yet. But we've had, uh, well, basically we have a couple of reports coming from from sources around the league, uh, basically saying that there won't be any playoffs. This season is just, it, it, it's starting to feel like the AHL season is just a development season. Um, it's it's too bad for, for our, our home team, the Laval Rockets, because they've been topping the league as of recent and they've just added Cole Caulfield, who's uh, who's set to make his season debut on Friday night. Uh, we saw some some clips, some pictures from tonight's uh, this morning's morning skate. So uh, it, it's unfortunate, but I guess we're gonna see a lot more. Um, that's just a hinge, but I I feel like we're gonna see a lot more recalls of young players, young talents from the AHL to the taxi squad, especially after the trade deadline. Because I believe after trade deadline, uh, you don't have to account for the the cap hits anymore. Marco could confirm again, but uh, yeah. So I I'm I'm sure a lot of taxi squads are gonna get bolstered and and have way more talent on it as of in a couple of weeks. Yeah. Well, um, uh, speaking of talent that may not make the roster or in this case will, because suspensions aren't a thing. Uh, let's talk about the non-suspension talk for Nathan McKinnon and Connor McDavid. Both of these players had incidents over the last week and they were pr- pretty egregious. I don't know. Obviously we're Habs fans, so we can, might feel a little bit more grieved, but uh, I would say that we were pretty level headed about this. And the question marks still remain from the DOPS. What is their job in this situation? Is it just to hand $5,000 fines to players that can afford that, like it's getting their dry cleaning? Or is it to actually, you know, punish players for this kind of behavior? Because this is going to, I don't know like how else to say this, but at some point this is going to blow up in the NHL and the NHLPA's face with a very serious injury, if not permanent damage. And I don't wish that on anybody. Now, even the players that I hate the most, I never wish injury on them. But there is a reality that if you let this kind of behavior continue, there will be a consequence at some point. Don't you think? Yeah, and I feel like we've been talking about suspension we've been talks about this how yeah, long? <laughs> since almost the beginning of the season because they've there's been so many like incidents like for the Habs and or Habs players or, or whatsoever, and. Yeah, I mean, look, we I added Nathan McKinnon's incident to the list, but I I mean, it was maybe just the funny timing because McDavid 
basically decided he was frustrated, kept getting hit, and elbowed Kotkaniemi straight in the face. So that's, and he got a 5K fine, which we we joked around, but is basically $20 for regular people's salary. So that's, it's like, in my opinion, an elbow to the face is, you should have an automatic game or something. Like there were, there were no injuries on, on the play, but it's, you should get a game. Why are we adjudicating based on injuries, right? And also, like, CTE doesn't show up for years. Honestly, let's be serious about this. The long-term effects of this are going to be ferocious. And it's... Like, it was a serious hit to the head. Like, Kotkaniemi, yeah. like, he went down after. But, I'm look, I, I believe there was a penalty on the play. I believe, like, from my honest opinion, if you get a penalty on a play there should be like further discipline. Like if it's worthy of a penalty on the play, then you have all the angles, you have the reviews, you have 15 cameras, you have the 5G cameras all over the bell center. You could see the hit, right? And it, it just felt like, it, it It sucks to say, but it feels like it was a leak protecting their star players. Well, right? we kind of felt like that, especially when we found out about Chandler Stevenson. So if you weren't paying attention, folks, uh, Las Vegas' Chandler Stevenson was suspended for three games for elbowing um, uh, LA's uh, Tobias Bjornfurt. Uh, and I think this is such a joke. Like, McDavid's hit was so much worse. And like, there needs, honestly, we talk about rebuilds and retools and rekindling of, of organizations. Let's have a rebuild of the DOPS because this yeah. is ridiculous. Like it's near identical hits to the head and completely contrasting results because one is a star player on everyone's poster and another is a guy in Vegas that most, even most NHL He's fans a fourth know. liner. Yeah. You, how, the fourth how many, liner, like, yeah. Honestly, like I knew Chandler Stevenson existed. I just know no, nothing against Mr. Stevenson. You're I'm sure you're a fabulous player. I'm sure you could deke the crap out of me on any ice whatsoever. I won't even get on the ice. Uh, but like, I think the reality is, is that, you know that it, it, because he doesn't have the same profile as McDavid, they didn't weigh the co same consequences. And that just cannot be the way we discuss player safety. Player safety cannot be used. We can't use the lens of, is somebody popular, as the, the, the determining bar of how we adjudicate things. That just cannot be a thing. And don't get me wrong. Like, even this, the Chandler Stephenson hit, both were like McDavid, Stevenson, both were suspend suspendable hits. But it's just the fine line between what gets you $5,000 fine and a three game suspension. It's not a one game. He got three games. So I think there's, there's, there needs to be more. And then again, it comes back to more cons consistency. And it, look, it just feels like there's a really fine line between three games and 5K. So that's uh, there's also the the fact that McKinnon basically threw a player's helmet like ripped a, a player's helmet off and threw it back in his face and got five five k as well. So it's like there's there needs to be some balance. There needs to be a way for the DOPS to judge. Like I don't know how they measure their their fines or their suspensions, but I think they need to review their 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 grading system or their their measures for sure. Well, let's talk about another grading system that's completely in the positive this time, and that is the finalist for the Hobie Baker Award. For those of you unaware, including people like myself, uh, until you met Marco, of course, and then he would educate you through everything, uh, the Hobie Baker Award is for a finalist of the of uh, collegiate uh, hockey specifically, and it's the most coveted award in collegiate hockey, and 
There are three nominees this year. Uh, Mr. Shane Pinto, a sophomore forward from, uh, excuse me, I lost my thing, from the University of North Dakota. Uh, apologies for that. Uh, Dry, uh, Dryden McKay, who is a junior goaltender from the Minnesota State uh, University team. And then finally, our boy. Yeah, he's our boy. We can say that now. Our boy, Cole Caulfield, a sophomore forward from the University of Wisconsin and now officially a Laval Rocket. I'm sorry, Mr. McKay. I'm sorry, Mr. Pinto. We really do appreciate and we're looking forward to your great storied careers in the NHL. But let's hope that Cole wins this, right? (laughs) I'm super biased in this. Let's hope Cole wins this. Marco would have probably given you pros and cons for each players, but just going to go straight with facts and, and stat lines. Cole Caulfield this year scored 30 goals in 31 games. I believe he played one playoff game and added two goals. So that's that's a total of 32 goals in 32 games. That's a goal per game. And he ended up the season with 52 points in 31 games. That's your stat line. That's like he he broke records this year for for his university and for the entire like Big 10 league. So I mean, there's uh, I was seeing Ottawa Senators fans trying to, on Twitter, trying to make a case for Shane Pinto. Uh, I, I don't even think it's a discussion, and Marco would have probably agreed on that one. But look, it's it's basically Cole Caulfield's trophy to lose. Exactly, and we like the sound of that. Uh, let's move on to a couple of things left before we uh, tag out for the show here. But you had something that you found from uh, Pierre LeBrun's Twitter. Yeah, so we had a kind of a weird incident. I believe it was uh, Monday night in dallas or maybe sunday monday it sunday yeah night. it was a sunday night in dallas we had uh well we're back on the covid uh topic but uh head coach of the dallas stars rick bonus basically coached the team for two periods and got kicked out for the third period uh due to covid protocols like just this like how does that sound like are we going back to the, our initial topic where the league is just slacking on their on their protocols um so there there was i i did further reading apparently uh rick bonus was fully vaccinated but still tested positive so it was like more of a precaution than maybe positive covid but still like I don't even know, like with the whole variant stuff and and the whole like you're you're with the players on the bench, right? So it's it's just weird to see a coach uh, getting pulled after two periods due to COVID protocols. I don't know what you think about it, but it's just it just it's just awkward at this point. I mean, it's very weird. Uh, I mean, to be honest, if you're gonna make that call, like holy crap, can you make it earlier? Like, don't start the game before making that call, but. I get it. If, if there's a, something that happens, pull them from the game, and then we'll, we can regroup. I just kind of feel like the rest of the team must must have been really having a lot of second thoughts. They probably weren't worrying about the tactics or whose shift it was to get on the ice. They're probably wondering, like, what the heck, man? Rick is gone. <laughs> That's not can't be good, right? Uh, so, in any case, uh, we wish him the best. I, I don't I actually didn't follow up on the situation. Do you know how Rick is doing now? Honestly, I believe he's he's been doing fine because we, we didn't have it much follow-up on, on it afterwards, but I believe it was straight up precautionary reason. So we'll cross our fingers for Mr. Bonus and hope he's doing well. And uh, we have one final story, and it's a story that's near and dear to our hearts and near and dear to everyone's hearts in the hockey world, and that is that of Humboldt Strong. And so, if you don't know the story, three years ago to this day uh, was a very tragic event. Um, it was basically the 
the Humboldt Broncos were in a bus crash, uh, and it was absolutely awful. Basically, 16 deaths, 13 injuries, lifelong injuries. It was it was caused by a collision. Basically, somebody failed to look at the stop sign and just blew right through it with uh, double trailers. And yeah, it's it's a really it was a really sad story. Unfortunately, it kind of it resonated with all of us in hockey because we all kind of know what that world is like. We all knew players that were playing junior hockey at West or playing out East. It's a very super Canadian thing. We, we've been bitch moaning and complaining about COVID for the past year on the show, but there's a reality that we are going to get through this. And more importantly, we, we are able to still connect with each other. These kids will never be able to be with their parents ever again. And this is something that we have to remind ourselves every stage of our lives, take every moment, take it in, enjoy it, because you don't know what's next. You don't know what's coming. For a school bus to just end up completely destroyed and the horrifying aftermath after, after that, it is, it is honestly still, still, still makes me sick to my stomach. It's one of those stories that kind of sticks with you. And uh, Adam, I don't know if you have any other things you want to add to this, but our just our our thoughts remain with the families who lost those, and obviously our the whole hockey world grieves, right? It's a grief, it's a it's a moment of grief and a moment also of reminder to celebrate what you have, celebrate who you are with, uh, the the great opportunities we've been given in this life, and that way we can all cherish and enjoy our lives, and also the extra wonderful cherishing and enjoyment of this wonderful game of hockey, right? It unites us in a way that we didn't really realize, and it's it's a nice reminder, too, because it was such a wonderful moment in Canadian history where so many Canadians like donated, I don't know if you remember, but like it was over $15 million was raised for the victims and their families. So, again, it, even in the worst of moments, we could still find beauty and honor but it's still hard to go through those moments. So I, I again, we are, we still say humble, strong. We still remember the lives that were lost that day, and we commit again to this wonderful, wonderful life that we get to exist in, and the wonderful game of hockey. But hockey isn't anything without the people in it. So just remember that. Yeah, look, you you laid it up perfectly. It's um, the the just from a hockey standpoint, when you're young, when you're older, like those road trips on and on the bus on the plane or, or whatever level you're playing are supposed to be the best moments of of like with your boys with your team uh it's a bonding moment it's uh, you know you just you're having fun with the boys and yeah just a like a horrible crash but it, then again it's a it's a it's an event that brought the whole hockey world together and look even you said it perfectly even three years later we're still shouting humble strong and just rest in peace to everyone and, and best wishes to everyone else. Exactly. And also, if I could make one recommendation, we don't usually make them too many on the show. So uh, Crossroads, my story of tragedy and resilience as a humble Bronco, written by Caleb uh, Dahlgren. It's a memoir uh, that was published uh, just last month. And it is it is hard to read, but I, 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 I encourage anybody who's really into the game of hockey or just wants to hear a story uh, that's so important to just understanding the hockey ethos here in Canada. This is a story to read. In any case, on that sad note, we want to leave you with the best note, which is the best is yet to come. And for that, we thank you because you're a part of that journey with us. That's it for the hockey flow this week. Uh, again, I want to thank our co-host at large, Marco D'Amico, who's uh, can be found at scrimmagesstats.com and of course at the hockey expert. Adam Boucher can be found at Really Adam B on Twitter, and myself, Adrian Cordero. We'll catch you guys next week. Bye.